Hi, this is Hila, your Joy correspondent, reporting live from Leeds. <laughs> this is Clothes Making Mavens, a sewing podcast about handmade fashion. This is Clothes Making Mavens. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Lori from frivolousatlast.com. And I'm Helena at grayallday.com. Coming up on this episode, well, we have a catch-up from our maven, Barbara. She's been out on a cross-continent sewing adventure. I love that she does this. She packs up her RV with her sewing machine and with all her projects, and off she goes. Uh, So she's going to catch us up on all of the amazing things she saw across the continent. And we also have a very exciting announcement, and we're going to be all cagey and surprisey about this, so you will have to stay and listen to the end of the episode to find out what our happy news is, but we know you're going to love it. Oh yeah, guaranteed to bring you joy, so definitely stick around for that. And in the meantime, Helena, you and I haven't talked to each other for a while, at least on this podcast, but we did get to see each other in person, just, my goodness, it was only just like a week and a half ago. And so just for um, listeners who might not know, if you're joining us for the first time on this episode, Helena lives in Southern California, and I live in Toronto, Canada. So we're quite a ways apart from each other. It's a good five hour (laughs) flight if we want to see each other. Uh, So it's always really exciting to be able to see each other in person. So why don't you tell us about it, Helena? Yeah, so we're making this a yearly thing that we are going to Pattern Review Weekend. Uh, And it's a small little conference for the readers and users of PatternReview.com, which is an amazing website that, um, you know, if you don't use, you need to get on that because it's just full of so much valuable content and reviews of patterns. So you will not go astray when that first time you make a pattern up. I mean... I know a lot of people advise that you make a muslin, but truly, I never make muslins. I don't want to waste my time. So, uh, Ain't nobody Re- got time for that. I know, I know. I just want to get to the fun stuff. So, um, yeah, Pattern Review is just invaluable for uh, people posting their projects and giving really specific fit advice and advice about the pattern instructions that you can't find anywhere else. So, we just love it. But this conference is in different places every year, and this year it was in Portland, Oregon, just one of our favorite cities. I know Lori's only been there once. um, Well, twice now. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But she loved it so much. She was like really itching to go back. And then I, um, I grew up right across the river in Vancouver, Washington, so um, it's always fun to go back to kind of your childhood haunts kind of but as a grown-up it was it was really a fun experience and just Portland's such a cool city and yeah yeah, we wanted to do that and of course the people are so fun it's all our sewing peeps all in one place all in one place it's like you show up to this place and it's you and 99 of your best friends most of which you've never met before but you can just walk up to anybody and just be like oh hi I'm Lori and what's your name and uh, what are you wearing and can I see your seams and <laughs> let me just feel <laughs> you up here at the back so I can check out your fabric and uh, everybody's pretty game for that so you just can kind of get rolling with the with the chatter about sewing and it's just in a way it's a bit of a release because we don't often have that in our in our lives you know, in our personal lives, certainly. (laughs) I know, Helena, you always talk about wanting to have started this podcast because, you know, your husband and your kids were getting real sick of hearing you go on about, you know, flat felt seams. And they're like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. So it's fun to just be able to talk about stuff like that with people uh, without worrying about boring them to death in a social situation. (laughs) Yeah. It just feels really, really comfortable when you get there. Even if you don't know anybody, I feel like you always have a topic, right? Yeah. Just handy that you can pull out and everyone's happy to talk about it with you. So it's just the easiest way to make friends. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, uh, Deepika was there. Deepika is the woman who set up and runs 
patternreview.com. And she is a force of nature. She is just so full of energy. And uh, so she runs this weekend and is just go, go, go the whole time. And we've interviewed, well, you interviewed uh, Deepika in a previous episode. So we can link to that in the show notes if you'd like to go and hear more from Deepika and a little bit about pattern review. And she also did a workshop at the weekend on reverse applique. Now you attended that workshop, Helena, why don't you tell us a bit about what that was all about? Yeah, so it's in the style of Alabama, Alabama chain-in, um, that kind of hand-sewn look where it's it's a stencil that you put on your fabric. You put two pieces together. To It's usually a cotton jersey, and then you put the stencil on it, and then you hand-sew around the, the stencil, and then you can either cut out... Well, you can cut out either on the outside of your stitching or the inside of your stitching. So it can be either traditional applique or it can be reverse applique. Mm. I think the reverse applique is really um, unique looking and and something you don't see in ready to wear ever. So mm-hmm. it's so it's really unique. It's definitely a, a unique look. So it's basically the two layers and then you cut one of the layers away so that you've got, you can have contrasting colors and then there's beautiful hand stitching around around the patterns. Well, yeah. some people's hand stitching is beautiful. Not mine <laughs> is what I learned. <laughs> mine looks like a two-year-old did it. I don't even know. It's bad. <laughs> yeah, that's not my forte either. Is it something you think um, that you'll incorporate into future makes now that you've given it a try? Even if you I need do. to practice your hand stitching? Yeah, I'm definitely going to need to practice first, but I I really liked it. I think I could see even using it as a textural element would be nice. But yeah, it it's definitely one of those things that your imagination kind of runs wild with you. And yeah, I have nebulous ideas. So we'll put um, maybe some links to some examples of the reverse applique. I mean, Deepika has made lots of lots of clothes yeah. with that. So we could probably link to some things that, that she's posted. Um, but I just, I can't, I still can't get over how amazing Portland is as a city. It's just so much fun. It's a great size. So it feels, you know, navigable, but you can't, you can't even like throw a rock without hitting some amazing amazing restaurant or amazing cafe yeah. or or unusual offerings of you know like real fine chocolate or or a fried egg specialty place or or a donut <laughs> shop so um, eating is definitely a huge activity and also we went to Powell's City of Books, city is it of called? City of Books. Yeah, the City and of Books. And it's, man, it's like an entire city block. So funny story, Helena and I decided to go into the bookshop, and this was sort of the day after the official PR weekend activities were over. And of course, we headed straight to the sewing section. We had to go through mm-hmm. about like six blocks worth of store before we found the sewing section. It's so huge. Uh, but sure enough, we show up in the sewing section. It's like, oh, hi, PR weekend attendee. Imagine yeah, finding you Liz here. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and I recognized her from her beautiful Wixton Howery yep. linen indigo jacket was so beautiful. But yeah, so there we were chatting it up about sewing again in the sewing section of Powell's. I know, I know. Oh, and they have an amazing sewing section too. I loved it. It blows most uh, most bookstores out of the water for sure. So that was really exciting. I didn't buy anything from the sewing section because I was just like, it's all here. I can't, I can't yeah. even decide. Mm-hmm. I bought a how to knit your own cat, or no, it was called knit your own cat. <laughs> so, a directive: knit your knit your own cat. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll knit one because it'll shed less. Oh my god, I'm covered. I spend five minutes every morning with the with the lint roller, and I'm still covered in cat hair when I go to work. But cat lovers will relate. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's the price you pay. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. And then, of course, one of the things that was so cool about being at PR Weekend was being able to see patterns made up and being worn by real people. So everyone who was there was wearing something they'd made. Yeah. Which is kind of a whole other story about the pressure of packing right, for PR Weekend. <laughs> right, like, right. oh my God, they're going to they're gonna see the seams on this. And can I actually wear this in front of people who actually know what they're doing? Right. So there's that. But um, I know that you were inspired to make the, the Zadie jumpsuit. Is that by Paper Theory? Yeah, paper yeah. theory. Well, it's already pretty much the only thing I see on Instagram at this point. Like, right. <laughs> just Zadie jumpsuit after Blowing Zadie jumpsuit. Yeah. yeah. But um, definitely seeing it in person. Um, we got to meet Pauline, who's also been on our podcast. So I will link to that also 
Pauline from So You Think yeah. You Can. She's amazing. What style that woman has. And she's and just energy. even nicer. She's incredible in person. Yeah. So much fun to hang out she with She is her. so fun. So yeah, it was really fun to see it in person and kind of see it move and see. It looks like it's really comfortable. Of course, she looked so chic. She made these big prints that were so striking and just... I don't wear or buy a lot of prints. Now I'm going to have to go out and I'm going to have to copy her. You know? <laughs> but also, I mean, I saw the Charlie Kaftan in real life as a dress. I have that pattern. And just a lot of patterns that I already have that I saw in real life that made me kind of get inspired again about looking at them and committing to making them. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it was that was really fun. Right. And one of them was, of course, the Burnside Bibs by Soho Seven. And of course, we should have known this, but Soho Seven, I didn't realize she's a, she's a Portland, um, she lives in Portland. And Burnside is, of course, one of the major cross streets in, in Portland, Oregon. And I've made the Alberta Street pencil skirt. So Alberta Street is another location. So I didn't realize that she had named all of her patterns after places in Portland. So it was kind of fun to discover those places. And um, yeah. Uh, yeah, she came to... Sorry, her name is escaping me right now. Peggy Mead. Peggy Mead, right. Peggy yes. from So House 7. She came to give us a talk at PR Weekend and kind of show off some of her patterns. And uh, yeah, that was that was inspiring. Yeah. So I'm already almost finished with my Burnside bibs. I don't usually crack a pattern uh, open that quickly. I bought it at PR Weekend and I am almost done with it. So that means that I was inspired for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. So when you were getting ready to go, what did you prepare for the trip? Yeah, so one of the fun things, I guess, about PR Weekend is they always have a contest of some sort. So um, they put out the theme, which was roses, because Portland is known as the City of Roses. And I, you know, in classic fashion, misread the directions for the contest. And it was actually a rose-themed accessory that was the contest. And all I saw was rose themes. So I sewed myself an entire outfit, a skirt and a top with with a, a border print sort of rose fabric. And I was so excited. And then I went back and reread the content. And I'm like, accessory. (laughs) So I decided I was just going to like drape myself around your neck at PR weekend during the contest judging and say, I'm a a scarf. (laughs) But yeah, getting ready was kind of uh, a bit of pressure. Like everyone there, of course, is is so nice. They're just as nice as they are online. It's, um, you know, sewers tend to be very supportive and, and sweet, but you're still sort of, you know feeling the pressure of they're going to be looking at my seams and deciding Uh whether I chose the right fabric for this design and that sort Uh of thing. But you did a ton of sewing, right? You did a marathon of sewing leading up. Not too bad. I, um, I sewed three pieces that I took. I, what I did was a marathon of planning and Mm -hmm. then didn't have (laughs) time to, to actually follow through on many of those things, but I did make three things and, this I made some Helen's Closet Winslow culottes out of the sand-washed rayon that I just... Well, first, I wanted to make that pattern because um, I won it at the last PR weekend pattern, mm-hmm. which was s- special. And, of course, I waited an entire year to use the pattern because that's how I roll. Um, so finally using the pattern, I made it, those. And then I had this this fabric for a jacket that just, I bought it the separate time as the rayon, but it en- ended up matching exactly. And it was just a match made in heaven. And I just, I know Portland pretty well and the vibe there. And so I just felt like, no, this is the outfit I had to wear. Like, this is such a Portland outfit. It was going <laughs> to be just perfect for, <laughs> I just felt so compelled to make this outfit. So, um, and I tried not to make the outfit. I tried to kind of put it out of my mind. Like, I don't have time for that. I didn't have enough fabric, but I ended up making it work. And um, and it was spectacular. Oh my oh, goodness, it was you. a great outfit. We're definitely going to have to put some pictures up in the show links because it was, uh, you know, the color combination and the combination of the Winslow culottes with, um, how would you describe the jacket? 
It looks very much like the Wixton Harry. Yeah, so it's sort of um, a boxy cut, like loose mm-hmm. fitting with a shawl collar. Uh, yeah, 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 it looks terrific. So we'll put um, some pictures and, and links to the patterns for that. Uh, and also, oh, it's worth mentioning that the Winslow culottes, Helen just um, re-released them in her much extended size range. So they're available um, uh, in many, many sizes now. So good news oh, that's for great. all sewists. Yeah. Yeah, that is good news. Um, and I just, I made uh, Orjus, uh, is that how you pronounce it, Lori French speaker? Oh, it's, yeah, it's good enough. Orjus. Orjus. Um, Berlin skirt. It's such a fun pattern to put together because it's like origami with those pockets. So the pockets on the side are sort of, um, how would you describe it? I mean, they kind of stick out a little bit, yeah, but in they a good do. way, they provide sort of some shape and structure to the skirt. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and you kind of do this folding maneuver with it. It kind of folds into the pleat when you make it. Mm-hmm. So that was really fun. And it's fully lined and there's a, you know, belt loops and belt. And so that was kind of a project that that one I had planned on doing and was okay with. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it was it, that other last minute stuff that I kind of drove myself crazy with. Yeah. yeah. And it was gorgeous on you. And again, you know, it was so nice to be able to see those patterns um, on real people and just go, wow. And I'm, I'm inspired to make that. That's been sitting, that pattern has yeah. been sitting in my stash for quite a long time. And I just really, really need to make that. I'm just looking out for the right fabric now. So I, th- I thought we were agreed that we were going to make that in black. Oh, right. Because yeah, yeah, because it's so sophisticated it. looking, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember now. I haven't made it in black yet, but <laughs> I, I think that's still a good idea. It's well, you live in California, you can, you know, I think, um, you know, black is pretty de rigueur up here in Toronto. Even now, like even this time of year, I went to work the other day and everyone was dressed in black. It was kind of weird. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. 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 No, and you don't see a ton of black down here. That is true. Right. It's, yeah, it's much more bright, brightly colored. And, and my, that works out because, you know, I never buy any black fabric. I never buy black fabric. It's I'm not drawn to it. I'm not, you know, I'm not enticed by it, I guess. So yeah. even though I I would wear it, I I don't have any of my very large. It's hard to make yourself buy it. I, I almost force myself to just buy some plain black fabric, you know, every once in a while, because it's like Alex from Serendipity when she was on her show. She's like, you don't walk into a fabric store and go, oh my God, look, black crepe. Look, it's so beautiful. Right. So, right. You know, it's so easy to get drawn by the other patterns. Yep. So yeah, you sewed an entire outfit, which is amazing. And it was really, um, it was really cute. We have to get a picture of that up there. I love the outfit um, with one of your your favorite patterns, that Berta. I need mm-hmm. to make that. That Berta. The Berta crossover top. It's such a popular pattern of theirs. So it's basically just a boat neck, slightly loose fitting, slightly boxy top with loose fittings, three quarter sleeves. Uh, and there's a crossover at the front, like two layers at the front that have slightly asymmetric hems at the bottom. And you can make it in a woven, you can make it in a jersey, you can make it in a combination. It's just such a great wardrobe staple. Um, staple in the sense of not a basic because it looks more dressed up than a t-shirt, but it's like right. a similar feeling of kind of three on a t-shirt it looks more blousy but it's still comfortable and yeah I highly recommend it so I'll put a link to that too yeah so you got all that done within a really short time frame because you've been traveling so much this last I mean since the beginning of the year yeah um, that's true Tell us about Spain, which is like one of my favorite countries. That is yeah. so fun. Yeah, lucky me. I've been traveling a lot since January. My husband and I were planning this for a long time, and we took we both took time off off work and did a lot of traveling. And one of the places we went to was Southern Spain, where we stayed for a good month. And you want to talk about gorgeous fabrics and dresses? Mm -hmm. Hello, flamenco style, right? So I was in Andalusia, which is sort of the home of, uh, you know, bullfighting and flamenco. And so all of the fabric shops had, you know, specific flamenco sections with um, a ton of polka dots, really vibrant colors, polka dots, uh, and all men for dresses that are just full of ruffles. Uh, So I went into some dress shops for flamenco dresses and it was just such spectacular eye candy. I'll I'll put up a couple of um, photographs that I took um, in the show links, but uh, ruffles everywhere, yards and yards and yards of fabric. Um, I'm not a ruffles girl at all, like myself in terms of wearing ruffles, but I can Mm -hmm. really appreciate just the way ruffles move when you know the flamenco dancers are doing their thing it is just 
to die for such such uh, beautiful fabrics and costumes. And the other thing that happened while I was in Spain, this is just one of these happy, happy accidents that happens in life. So uh, my husband and I went to like a different part of Andalusia for the the weekend. So we were staying in a hotel and we flopped into bed and turned on the TV. We were both exhausted. And he literally flips on the TV to a sewing show. So it's a Spanish sewing show that I've never heard of before. Why would I have it? It only is on the air in Spain. Um, but I think I've mentioned here before, like what a huge fan I am of the the great British sewing bee. Um, and even when I was in Europe, I couldn't get access to it. You have to be in Britain. Um, but, um, you could probably, I mean, for listeners in Britain, I'm sure you've seen the show. Other people may have not seen it because it's really hard to find it. You know, you can probably find it on YouTube. I'm not saying you can find it illegally on YouTube, but I'm saying you could probably <laughs> find it illegally on YouTube. Um, but I don't know, due to some kind of crazy contractual obligations, it's just hard to find it around. So anyway, I was so thrilled when we flipped on the TV and there's this sewing contest show all in Spanish. So I'm only catching, my Spanish really isn't that good. I was only catching about every third word, but it was a really cool show. Um, the, uh, the task that they had that day was they had five pre-made dresses from a certain era. So I think these ones were like 1930s style dresses and there were five contestants remaining and each one sort of had to draw a number and then the number corresponded to, okay, you got that dress and you get this other dress. And they had to recreate the dress. They were given the materials and they had to recreate the dress, you know, within a time. Uh, And it was really fun. And uh, it was called uh, Maestros de la Costura. So Masters of Sewing, I guess that translates to. So anyone who um, happens to know Spanish could maybe look that up and see if you can find that online. But it looked like a great format for a a sewing contest show. And I wish I could have watched more of it. Oh, I know. I wish we had more sewing contest shows aside from Project Runway because Project Runway really... I mean, first of all, it's not a sewing show. It's so high fashion that it's not applicable to us, right? Mm-hmm. And also, it they focus so much on the drama and the competition of it. And I know that's that's part of the shtick, but it's in such direct opposition to the Great British Sewing Bee, which is so supportive. And we've had you know people on the show that have explained that it truly is just Mm -hmm. a really supportive environment and a great environment and they don't try to rile you up yeah no negativity everybody's uh you know sad when other people leave and helping each other if they have time and that sort of thing yeah it's great i don't know why we we as americans or you as canadians can't like (laughs) get uh an audience or realize there is an audience for that kind of thing because yeah. sewing is huge i mean it really is huge and we don't we don't need you to dress it up with a bunch of cutthroat i'm not here to make friends soliloquies you know mm. yeah so true so now you're home from your travels are you so excited to be reunited with your sewing machine do you have a ton of projects planned oh yeah i mean what a feeling that was i was away from the sewing machine for a total of like a good eight or nine weeks in total sort of over the winter and spring and it was just too much i was kind of shaking you know i did have my knitting (laughs) so that was my thing but i just could not wait to get back to the sewing machine it made me realize just how important it is to me in my life in terms of just a creative outlet and you know feeling good about myself by making things so that was that was interesting to be away from it for so long but one of the things that happened when I came back is there were so many options so many patterns I was excited about and and so much fabric in my stash and I just kind of exploded into my sewing room and I had fabrics everywhere and patterns sort of piled up on top of them as options and I kept going to Instagram and to Facebook and to you know and looking at new patterns and and I thought my head was going to explode and it also makes me realize that sometimes we can have that kind of option paralysis or sort of stash overload where you kind of stop processing it and you just don't know what to do anymore and you feel overwhelmed and kind of stuck like to just choose something and get started. Do you have that feeling? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think especially with traveling, it's you almost, you get so much stimulus and you're trying to process it and you just get like a kind of a buildup of inspiration that 
almost like falls on top of you at a point where you're just like, oh, there's too much. I don't even know where to start. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll make a black skirt. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. I should just do that. But speaking of which, I actually did just make black, plain black pants. I'm very proud of myself. It was the I uh, am proud of you the, too. The Joan yeah. Trousers by Friday Pattern Company. And I made them in a sort of heavyweight rayon ponte. And I love them. Oh my goodness, they're perfect. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I um I love the, that pattern too. Friday Pattern Company is my new favorite pattern company that I feel like I just discovered. Like I'm a great explorer, but uh, yeah, I just I'm loving all her patterns, and the Joan looks great. Like, yay, more knit pants, right? Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. She calls them treggings, like a combination of trousers and leggings, because they're yeah. they have negative ease, and you have to use a, a nice stretchy. Um, but the Ponty makes keeps them structured enough, but the stretch and the negative ease make them well fitting without having to fiddle too much with fitting, even though they're, yeah. they're pants. So yeah, yeah. I love that silhouette because um, it's got a wider leg. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like it does need to be really fitted in the hips. And that's why I've been having so much trouble with the lander pants that I keep (laughs) still haven't finished any guys. I don't know. Several. I feel several like we talked about that six episodes ago. That's so funny. I know. I know. We keep talking about it. Um, just because you have to get that fit right in the hips and the bum. And I'm struggling with that. But the Joan, um, if you use the negative ease, you can get it a little easier. So They're very um, forgiving. I would definitely recommend them as a sort of beginner pant sewer pattern for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. So yeah, I I feel your pain with the the overload because um, we went you know to pattern review weekend and part it's part conference and then part shopping trip. We get onto buses and we go shopping for fabric mm-hmm. um, and find those gems. But I kind of left my house to go overwhelmed by my stash. So you might've noticed that I didn't buy very much, but Mm -hmm. I was shocked. I know, but it was, I just, when I was planning on what to make for, you know, PR weekend and just this whole last couple months, I just have too many possibilities and I'm just frozen with the possibilities. It's overwhelming. And I have so many beautiful pieces and I have been shoving them in my closet. I have this big bookshelf and I can post a picture of it. And I organized that. And while I was organizing that, I found a whole bunch of pieces of fabric that I'm like, oh yeah. Oh, oh, there's mm-hmm. this one. There's this one. And then I have to shove the overflow into my closet. So that means that's not, those pieces aren't top of mind either. So when I'm looking for something, I always go into that closet and I'm like, oh, oh, there's that piece. There's that piece. So and at some point, the guilt sets in, right? Because you're yes. like, oh, my gosh, I just, I forgot I even had these. And, you know, yes. I have so much. Yes, I have so many beautiful pieces. So, uh, yeah, I I didn't buy much on Pattern Review Weekend. And I actually came home, started these Burnside bibs in fabric I already had. Good for you. Uh, make your yeah. stash. Hashtag make, make your, your stash. stash. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I think I should do a fabric fast, honestly, for a little bit. And... When I get that urge, because it's so easy to get beautiful fabric here, um, just kind of rearrange my my fabric a bit. Yeah, like, yeah. go put shop, it on a different shop shelf. your stash. I mean, really, mm-hmm. we're sort of in the mood for something new. But when our stashes get so big that you forget what's in there, it's easy to just kind of open those doors and go, ah, I could use this. But you know what? I, I feel like I could do that, too. Um, uh, a stash fast, fabric buying fast. So mm-hmm. if you want to do it. We can do it. We can announce here and now if you want. We're not buying any more fat. Are you ready to do it? You're, I see your face kind of dropping like, hmm. What if- <laughs> no, I think that's a really good idea. I think, how long do you want to do it for? Um, where are we? Let's, end of, end of the year, end of 2019, six months. Okay. Okay, but wait. Yes. But the caveat would be if we're traveling somewhere, I do like to buy Yes. Oh, always off the hook if you're traveling, in my opinion, okay. because, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And in that, when you're traveling, um, you kind of do have a limit because you have mm-hmm. to bring it home. Like, I'm get it in your suitcase. Traveling, as, traveling further than just down to San Diego or whatever, like mm-hmm. <laughs> actual traveling yes. where you have to have a suitcase is 
You're like, I'm getting in the car and traveling to Joanne's fabric and I'm going to, no, <laughs> no, that's not on. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I, I think, um, cause I just, I think that's a really fun way to, to remember different cultures too. I'm just thinking yes. I'm going to the Caribbean and I'm going to Mexico oh, the, yeah. in just next month. So if I see beautiful fabrics there that I can't get in the U.S., I'm going to want to snatch them up. So Absolutely. Yeah. But you know what? I think also putting parameters on ourselves enhances creativity. I mean, sometimes when mm-hmm. you just, you're like, oh, well, I could just, you know, decide on a new pattern and I'll buy the pattern and I'll go buy some new fabric. You know, if you have a pattern in mind, like to to be limited by, okay, what's in your stash, make it work with something in there can sometimes actually turn out, well, it can also turn out some horrible waters, but it could turn out <laughs> something really interesting that maybe you might not have considered doing before. So, yeah, so I think it's, um, you know, putting parameters on creativity can be a good thing. Yeah. Well, let's do it. Okay, we're in. All right, we'll report back. <laughs> So anyway, we should probably get to um, uh, Barbara, who's also been traveling quite a bit in her, you know, in her have sewing machine will travel kind of way. So we invited her to record a segment for us, just catching us up on on her exploits. And for listeners who may not have heard an episode with Barbara before, Barbara Emodi is uh, a blogger at Sewing on the Edge, and she is also the author of Sew, the Garment Sewer's Book of Knowledge. Yeah, it's a book of knowledge for sure. It yeah, certainly it's a is. Great. Book. We will link to it in the in the show notes. So yeah. And if, if you you'll... if you read uh, Barbara's blog, you'll know that she's just so full of insight. So here she is. Hello, this is Barbara Modi, and I am going to talk a little bit about some of the sewing and projects and experiences that I've had in the last, uh, I guess couple of months. One of the most interesting things that I did was in April, I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That is the home to the Vintage Sewing Machine Museum. It has, I think, nearly a thousand sewing machines, domestic sewing machines, in what is a pretty large suburban bungalow that is devoted entirely to this museum. So every room has a different category of machines. For example, there's a room that is children's sewing machines, little wee perfect uh, sewing machines uh, that were kids' models, including a tiny white featherweight. Uh, There is a wall of blue machines, incredibly kind of retro and mid-century modern, all baby blue machines that to give you a sense of what the museum is like, which is privately and personally owned, there was blues music playing in this uh, area, and there were stacks of blue fabric because nearly all of these machines are threaded up and ready to go, and you can sit and sew on them. It was quite a crazy experience. We were told that this place existed. We showed up and it had an archway of uh, old featherweights all welded together and it was locked and we were told it was open and there was a truck nearby and a in the parking lot and we went over and it was the fellow who owns it and he said I'd like to sit out here for an hour and have my lunch but go in and just get the key I keep it on top of the M for machine at the door so we did so we had the whole place to ourselves it was this sounds crazy it's I found it actually kind of moving uh, to see all of these machines that had been in individual houses that I imagined had been set up on kitchen tables on, you know, on afternoons when children were at school. And real women had sewn things for themselves and their families. And now they had all been brought, apparently many of them, most of them donations from families, from estates, uh, to this man who made this incredible museum. So it is worth going to Tulsa, Oklahoma, just to see that. So that was one of the high points. Why I was in Tulsa, the um, museum was kind of a an extra bonus. 
but I was there to teach at a vintage sewing conference. Not that I'm a vintage sewer, but the organizers uh, had read my book and liked it and wanted to know if I could come and anything I could talk about. Well, I do love sewing machines. So I did a session on... Well, I did two sessions, but one was hands-on on using vintage sewing attachments, which really fascinate me because I have lots of vintage machines and I've acquired lots of attachments. And the more I have tested and worked with them, the more I realize uh, how many really cool attachments that can do marvelous things are no longer manufactured. Things that really make sewing so much easier. A, a tucker, for instance, that really gives you a a guideline that you can fold in fabric and sew a tuck and it makes sure it's all even. It gives you a, you know, pretty good guideline. Having fold the fabric over, it gives you a good stitching line to make a tuck. But it has an arm uh, on the side of it that as you sew that tuck, the arm presses down on the fabric and makes a crease for the next tuck. So you can make a gazillion tucks and only really ever have to measure the first one. When I started using that attachment, uh, you know, I, I had about 15 of them that I was uh, working with in the workshop. I realized that my mother's christening gown, which was made by her mother, who was a, a Scottish dressmaker, was in fact tucked and would have been done with an attachment like this. So that was a pretty an incredible experience. So I did that course, that session. People brought in their vintage machines and we worked with um, the various attachments. And the other thing I did was I did a kind of a big talk on what vintage sewers could teach the modern sewer and what uh, modern sewers could teach earlier sewers, which I did a lot of research with on that and I really love doing that. I actually wrote a little booklet on how to use vintage attachments. They do attach to modern sewing machines, by the way. Um, most of them will require a low to a high shank attachment. So, you you know, they're still very usable. So I've just got to figure out now, I've written this little booklet, how I'm going to get it out there. But... Um, the other thing I, is I had a kind of funny experience in Tulsa. This, like many sewing conferences, people paid, you know, considerable amount of money to attend and to take classes, which in some ways kind of self-selects the kinds of people who will come. I mean, tend to be long-time or very enthusiastic sewers or sewists. And so... You, you know, you kind of are talking to, you know, a fairly um, devoted and developed and kind of group of people. But the first session at the coffee break, there was a really young girl um, who came and was kind of standing in the hall. And she said, can I speak to you? And I said, sure. And she had not been able to afford to attend the conference but had some questions. She was trying to learn to teach herself how to sew from sewing pattern instructions. And she said, I just want someone to tell me how to sew from an instruction so it will turn out. And so she kind of decided to come along to the conference and cruise around in coffee break and just she had some specific questions. It turned out that our conversations meant every coffee break and every lunch, I met up with her and told, tried to tell her everything I knew. But one of the things, uh, you know, from that experience was I thought to myself, this is kind of a message for me as somebody who has worked in sewing and done a lot of teaching sewing and, uh, you know, writes, I write about it, I'm podcasting about it, but it really made me think about why I'm doing it all and what I want really the outcomes. And I realized that I was in a bit of a crossroads that I, I really wanted to continue to talk about, you know, new techniques and things that I'm sewing and things that I'm testing. That's really important to me. But that I also realized I didn't want to talk to just a 
one conversation with people who are as passionate about sewing as I am. I also wanted to start conversations and I wanted to, um, you know, add sewing to more lives. So that really dialed me back into, and I decided I would spend part of my time and energy doing what I could to get that basic information, the you know, the things that aren't in patterns somehow out to people. So one of the things that I've done is I've started to write a free weekly newsletter. It goes out every Monday, late Sunday night or Monday morning, um, for what I'm calling new and returning sewers. That's just really basic stuff. I've done it on taping and stay stitching and darts right now. Um, and if you're interested, you can email me. Uh, at barbaramodi.com or uh, go on my blog and uh, there's a contact list and I'll add you to the my list. So that's one of, that was a big thing for me that happened this winter was deciding that I had to make sure that I talked also to people who couldn't sew at all. Um, and that's, I did a 27 minute how to thread a sewing machine YouTube video that I'm pretty sure nobody but my immediate family has lasted through the poll 27 minutes. But one thing I have been doing is giving away my vintage sewing machines, uh, one to my daughter-in-law, one to my niece, one to one of my son's ex-girlfriends. So I, you know, I rotate a lot. My machines are being rotated through my uh, life right now. and But of course, when I release these machines, it's often to people who say, geez, I'd love a machine. How do you thread it? Do you really need all those, you know, do you really need to have um, uh, the thread in every one of those parts? So that's why I have that big YouTube video. And when I uh, hand over a machine, I always say, go on YouTube and that'll show you how to thread it. So that was one thing that I did on my kind of new sewers um, campaign. And the other thing, I have been doing a huge amount of sewing, of course, for my family, for myself, but I've also been reviewing and testing jelly patterns. I have uh, sewn with jelly since I lived in Montreal a long time ago, and they were mainly, at that point, sort of skating and gymnastics uh, costumes. I really love the pattern. I love the fact that it is a mother and a daughter still working out of their home. And I love the incredible quality of their drafting and the fact that, you know, there's 22 sizes. That's great because that means I can sew for myself. I can sew for, you know, whoever in my family wants anything. And it's a kind of a very, um, low footprint type of pattern. You get 22 plus patterns there. So I'm a little, and they're not, you know, relatively not that expensive uh, because I'm really aware of how much, I actually did an incredibly stupid thing and, and did a tally of how much money I spent on patterns last year. And I realized every time, you know, there's a bright, shiny object, I do not need to buy it. Um, the other thing, of course, with Shelley's huge size range, it's possible to actually slightly adjust, make a particular thing, uh, you know, gee, it'd be, look better if it was a little looser, it was a little tighter. And when you just are dealing with, you know, size 8, 10, 12, 14, uh, 16, you, there's usually at least two inches between all those sizes at least. And uh, some of them now, some of the Indies have a small, medium, and large. And, you know, again, big one Indie pattern company I use, there's a four-inch difference um, between uh, those sizes. So you really have to do a lot of fine-tuning yourself. With Shelly, I'm finding sometimes I can say, that's nice, I will just do it one size up or down. And the size difference is only one inch over the whole body. So you can tweak quite easy by just uh, retracing. So I, I like that. Um, I find also that the patterns, particularly this current collection, I think I reviewed seven of them, um, they're, they're really sort of nice standards, but they all have kind of a twist and they have a lot of really interesting 
uh, techniques, construction techniques, and and I love. I mean, involve. I've thought of what I like about um, sewing, and I was actually invited to teach at a workshop next year on fitting, and I said no because you know I can fit, I do fit, but it's not something I really love to do. Uh, so that's, you know, I'm not a fitter, and I'm, I don't think I'm, I've decided since I'm the only person who never made a cold shoulder top, I'm probably not a high fashion sewer. I don't, you know, sew for that. But I do mainly sew because I love the process, and I love construction. Every time I find a new way of doing something, I love it. So that's kind of um, what I've been up to right now. And uh, hopefully uh, you will be interested in my newsletter. Um, And, well, yeah, because I really like sending them out. It makes me feel really good and they're because they're so fun to write. And I have some plans for other things that I want to explore. I don't know about you, but I'm probably going to develop or devote a good part of this summer to trying to really nail down a really nice um, kind of cropped pants in denim or some heavy twill because for some reason I overpurchased a lot of that in the last decade. <laughs> I have to either start upholstering boats or making some clothes for myself um, with them. So I'm going to start with a launder pad and see what happens, but I've got many other options and I might even draft some of my own. I've got to do a shout out for my good friend David Coffin who's who I love. He's such an original thinker. Uh, has done a, a book that I reviewed on fitting shirts and he really took he's very good at um, taking things back to kind of authentic principles and basically his shirt book is about you you get a pattern that fits in your neck and your shoulders. So basically the collar and the yoke of a shirt, a tailored shirt, men or women. And then you just take fabric and, and attach fabric to that collar or yoke and drape it to fit from then on, which is such a good concept and approach. So I'm actually thinking I might even take some of my pants, some of my lovely elastic pull-on pants that we all have in linen for the summer, take some of those and put them on my body and then kind of drape uh, a proper waistband and some darts so that will fit. So I have a lot in the go, but that's kind of my update and um, Happy sewing. I'm I'm feeling really recharged as a sewer right now, and I hope you are too. Thanks, Barbara. It is so good to hear from you and to hear all about your exciting travels. Thanks for catching us up, and we look forward to talking to Barbara in person at some point soon. Um, and uh, we did mention off the top of the episode that we have some exciting news that is guaranteed to bring joy. Helena, do you want to let the cat out of the bag? We have a new Joy correspondent. We invited Gila from Saturday Night Stitch. You've heard her on the podcast before. We just loved her energy so much. So we asked her if she'd like to come on occasionally as a correspondent and just share with us some of the delights she's found in our sewing community uh, yeah, so we asked uh, we asked Hila to just tell us about things that are bringing her joy that are related to the sewing world and sewing community and things going on. So uh, let's see what she has to say. Hi, Hila. Welcome. Hi. Thank you guys so much for having me. I can't tell you how excited I am to be joining you guys. <laughs> We are excited to have you. Absolutely, yeah. So you have been on the Clothes Making Mavens podcast previously, just a quick chat, talking about the Brita Style Challenge 2018. That's right, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. But for those who might not have heard that episode, um, well, let's do a proper introduction. Tell us all about yourself, Hilla. (laughs) (laughs) All about myself, wow. Well, I, well, my name is Hilla. I live in England, in the north of England, in West Yorkshire. I have been blogging for about five years now, 
and I started my blog Saturday Night Stitch uh, just after my twins were born and I needed a creative outlet but also I needed to have kind of like a diary of the things that I was making that I could easily access and I could only sew on Saturday nights for just a couple of hours when my husband would babysit um, the babies uh, for me so that I could sew, so hence why it was called Saturday Night Stitch. Um, and I was very surprised when I discovered other bloggers and, you know, I just, it just grew from there. And before I knew it, I had a fabric collection as big as a small shop. <laughs> and how does that happen anyway? Who knows, right? <laughs> I don't know how the fabric just jumps into the shopping carts and ends up in my home. Um, and also like loads of sewing patterns. And, you know, it just, it just grew from there. And it was just really um, fantastic discovering this whole new world of creativity, of of sewing and you know with time I sort of dipped my toes into YouTubing and that was also another fun um, community there, another fun way of sharing content and I'm just having a I'm just having a blast. I just enjoy creating stuff and we are fortunate enough to live in a time where you've got a lot of options for how you want to share content and you can do that through podcasting which I recently did having been inspired by your podcast actually <laughs> and um you know um it's 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 just been it's just been a blast um and i have five kids as um <laughs> mentioned Very previously uh, so three boys and twin girls. Um, Can I just so say that the outfits you sew for the twins just knock my socks off? They are so <laughs> adorable. How old are the twins? Oh, f they turned five years old in December. Oh. <laughs> and I, can, I just, I cannot believe how fast the time has flown. And they are proper little divas now, you know. So they're like, <laughs> mommy, we need you to make us this Winx fairy outfit and it needs to have red and black fairy wings. And I'm like, okay, all right. <laughs> they have custom seamstress on call, how lucky they are. Exactly, you know, and, and for them, it's just, it's just normal for them to just say, mommy, I want you to make me this, you know, and I want you to have some sparkle trim, which, which is quite lovely, I, I think. Um, but yeah. And uh, to add to all my other interests with the kids, I also love gardening. I knit and crochet and I read a lot and I just have a huge range of interests because I'm, I'm just, I love learning. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm constantly, <laughs> constantly learning. Mm -hmm. I understand you're a bit of a spreadsheet geek too. <laughs> <laughs> Because you need to be so organized to do everything you do. You also uh, race in triathlons, right? Yes, I do. I recently discovered um, triathlons last year after I participated in my very first ever triathlon. And it was amazing. It was incredibly, you know, one of those experiences that shifts you, that pivots how you how you see yourself as a person and even in terms of my own self-esteem and my um, body image because, you know, as, as women, and I think that this is true to most women, uh, body shaming is something that nobody's exempt from that. We all have insecurities and issues and whatever, but I got to say doing a triathlon ever since I did that, I have felt so much more... Uh, you know, like a stronger sense of, of, of inner pride in what my body was able to achieve because you swim, you cycle and you run and you have to get past that mental barrier that tells you that you can't do this, but you push yourself and it's like your mind is telling you one thing, but your body is like, I can do this, you know, and ultimately letting your body triumph. And so it, it's... um. You know, it's just been amazing. And I've got another triathlon coming up in about five weeks. So I'm training wow. for that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sort of starting to see a pattern because Helena runs marathons. 
And so both of you are incredibly prolific sewers who make amazing things. And I admire both of your styles so, 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 so much. And so there must be some kind of connection between that physical duress, the mental duress of, of getting through a marathon or a triathlon and also just being such great seamstresses. We'll have to, we'll have to delve into that scientific uh, inquiry, I think. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I didn't realize that you did marathons as well, Helena. That's something that I haven't yet tackled. Um, yeah. So you'll probably have to give me some tips and tricks once I do feel like, yeah, I can go for a marathon. <laughs> yeah, we should totally talk about that. It's so fun to talk about. But I totally understand what you're um, saying about uh you kind of appreciate your body in a totally different way because us mm. as women, we're always looking at our bodies like um, how it looks. And then when you get into triathlon or you get into marathons, it's like, this is what it can do. And it, mm -hmm. and it gives you this other appreciation that is really valuable because we can get stuck on that. How does it look? Does it fit? Is it right? Is it lumpy is it you know so. does it does it have cellulite you I know, know. Is, is this one sticking out and all that but who cares if it can run 10 kilometers in under 60 minutes <laughs> that's pretty awesome yes. you know? exactly. <laughs> I love it Hila what have you got up your sleeve for us in terms of what what will this uh what we hope will be a regular segment on the podcast going forward as our joy correspondent what do you hope to bring to us Oh, wow. Well, I, I am an active seeker of joy. And I do strongly believe that a life filled with joy is a life lived, if that makes sense. Um, but having, I, I have suffered from depression in, in the past. In, in fact, I consider myself somebody who, who does suffer from depression, but I have to do things to, to cope with, you know, with my mental health and my mental strength. And part of that was learning how to be open to joy. Mm -hmm. And that made such a huge difference for my, for my mental health. And, and through that, I have accessed what joy means for me through my blogging as well as my YouTubing and in my writing and basically everything that I do. And one of the consistent um, comments or emails that I do get from uh, whether it's somebody who reads my blog or somebody who uh, watches my YouTube channel, they, they tell me that they get filled with joy when they just see me expressing my joy, you know, whether mm -hmm. that's in dancing in my YouTube channel or just, you know, on Instagram when I'm just sharing my, my joyful pictures because I'm just in that moment trying to express how exuberant I am feeling. Um, so I'm kind of hoping that sharing those things that uh, give me joy, the things that uh, give me that incredible, intense, momentary experience of positive emotion, that's what I'm hoping to share with you guys and share with you things that make me laugh and smile or things that uh, fill you with such positive emotion. You kind of feel like jumping up and down because that's how I get when I see joyful things. And by the way, that's a scientific definition of joy. Something that makes you want to laugh um, and smile and something that makes you feel like you want to jump up and down. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes, it's it. actually, yeah. Super. I'm feeling a little bouncy myself right now with the excitement about this. But you know, it's, what's interesting about how you said um, that, that jumping or the desire to jump up and down, I think as mm. we uh, become adults from children, we're sort of taught to tamp that down. Like it's just, mm -hmm. it's not cool. You know, as a teenager, it's like, well, I'm not going to jump for anything, right? Because I'm too cool. Um, and then as an adult, you're just supposed to be calm and cool and collected. But I really think that when you allow yourself to give in to that, uh, that urge that sometimes happens to just flap your arms or jump up and down or squee out loud or whatever it is, that that actually really does enhance the joyful experience. So, you mm. know, I, yeah. I say go for it. Yeah, absolutely. And 
you know, there's so many incredible benefits to joy. And also, like, one thing that I realized through reading um, all these books and also reading up some of the scientific research was that there's a difference between joy and happiness. And unfortunately, sometimes those things are used interchangeably. But whereas happiness is more of a long-term look at a sense, a feeling of well-being and being contented over a long period of time, joy is about being in the moment. It is about that moment that you experience that emotion and just letting yourself be open to experiencing that moment of, you know, intense positive emotion. Um, and so, yeah, and so, you know, it sort of ties in with the mindfulness movement where, you know, you have to learn how to be present, how to be in the now, because that's how you can experience the most joy. So, yeah. Awesome. So, Hila, what is bringing you joy right now? Right. Okay, well... I love scrolling through my Instagram feed um, and especially using the explore function where you get to discover um, new people as well. And I came across an Instagrammer called Giggle Maker, whose feed is just so full of joy and it's so incredibly colorful. And on her Instagram feed, uh, she, you know, she describes herself as a maker of colorful things, a costume and glitter enthusiast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's, it's, you know, and, and it's so true. And when you scroll through and she's, she's making all of these incredibly beautiful, colorful things. And she's also just sharing them in this really joyful way. And as I was scrolling through her feed and just thinking, oh, I would love, oh, that's just fabulous. And just feeling this sense of, oh, my gosh, you know, this is wonderful. I was reminded of um, a really fantastic TED talk by author and designer Ingrid Fatel Lee. And the TED talk is called Where Joy Hides and How to Find It. And this is, I highly recommend anybody to go and listen to this talk. It's only 13 minutes long, but honestly, it is such a transformational talk. Mm. And in it, she's basically done research on what joy is and how you can find it. And sort of like scientific-based research for over 10 years. And some of the things that she mentions that consistently came up as being joyful across all cultures, across all languages was things like um, pictures of hot air balloons floating in the air or um, ice cream cone covered in round sprinkles. And when I Sprinkles are universal through, after all, right? <laughs> exactly. The joy they bring. Absolutely universal. The joy they bring. <laughs> and so when you scroll through Giggle Maker's feed, that is just what you get, this incredible feeling of lightness and yeah and it's just amazing and it just reminded me of that TED talk which is a really fantastic thing and especially if you're a creative person and this is a TED talk that I always come back to almost every year to watch just to be reminded of you know what joy is and the benefits of joy and just to constantly practice the art of finding joy mm. in every moment. Mm. I agree Giggle Maker is She's she's not only giggle making, she's joy making for sure. So, <laughs> yes. so we'll link to her Instagram as well as that TED talk in our in our show notes so people can check it out. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then another Instagram uh, picture feed that just really made me uh, feel joy <laughs> is um it was from Jen Leg Four. Now she is a founder of Tease Creatives and she basically created a, a creative community space where people can get together to, sh to share their sewing skills. And she made a fabulous maxi dress for, I think it was the hashtag Great British Sewing Bee Sew Along mm -hmm. that was going on at the time. And this maxi dress is not only a feast for the eyes, it is a beautiful fusion of, um, you know, using a lace as a trim. And get this right, she actually dyed the lace with turmeric to make it yellow so that the yellow would pick up accents of the 
floral print. Wow. And I just thought that is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It makes such a pretty yellow. turmeric does you know the reason I have to just interject because the reason I know that is because so I've been on this kind of kick of trying to reduce household waste Uh, and one Mm -hmm. of the things I'm trying to wean myself off of is buying dry shampoo and I have blonde Mm -hmm. hair so I had been buying uh, some powdered it it kind of had like a yellow tint in it so I went online to find out how to make my own turns out it's so easy and super cheap but one of the recommendations was use turmeric to add a sort of yellow color to the powder so you don't get like a white powdery look. Uh, and so all my towels are now kind of have yellow oh, streaks. No. On. So <laughs> war- warning to the wise, turmeric does stain. It makes a great dye apparently. So <laughs> I found that out the hard way. Oh, wow, no, that's pretty. I'll have to remember that when I dye my hair blonde again. Because <laughs> yes. um, I'm probably going to do that for the summer. Oh, amazing. Um, yeah, but the dress is just amazing. She used Rifle Paper Co. Mm-hmm. Uh, fabric and with the lace trimming. And it just created this dress that is, um, you know, like an anthropology dress. But it's got turmeric on it. And each time <laughs> I think about that, and now every time I'm cooking in the kitchen, whenever I see turmeric, I'm just picturing that dress. And I'm kind of like, I want to get some of that Rifle Paper, you know, and, and some lace and diet in turmeric as well. And it's like a, a combination of cooking and sewing. And I love cooking. And it's also a really great example of how incredibly resourceful the sewing community yeah. is. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. That is that is just so brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. Just look in your cupboard and get the dye. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, you could go to a shop and buy it or you could order it online. But hey, uh, I'm just going to grab some turmeric dye the lace and boom we have this beautiful absolutely stunning outstanding um dress so yeah highly recommend that you go check out her feed she's also a hairdresser by profession so she always has like this amazing hair like her hair always looks absolutely on point as well it's oh, amazing <laughs> added bonus check that out exactly <laughs> that's awesome yeah um Yeah, and so those are the things that um, I wanted to share with you guys today that have been uh, giving me um, a lot of joy. And I've just come back from a camping trip where there was no mobile phone reception or anything Uh like that. So I really got to, you know, get into myself and really think about what I wanted to share. Uh And these and this were like constantly on the top of my head. So I was like, yep. Nice, that's- nice. That sounds pretty <laughs> joyful in and of itself, just having no no cell phone reception and no... Oh my gosh, yes. And that's something that I'm absolutely looking forward to talking to, at, uh, to talking about with you guys um, at another point uh, in the future. Because I have, I've done quite a bit of stuff with digital detoxing and reading up a lot about that and seeing how that impacts on creativity. And yeah, it's just, you know. <laughs> okay, we'll save that for another. It's a wonderful area, yeah. <laughs> so thank you so much, Hila, for joining us and agreeing to be our joy correspondent. We are so happy that you're doing this with us. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Again, thank you guys so much for having me over. It's been so much fun. And I just, I'm looking forward to the next one already. Me too. Yay. I'm jumping up and down. <laughs> Thanks. More joy, more joy. More joy. Yeah. <laughs> bye for now, Hila. Okay, bye. All right, so it was wonderful to talk to Hila again and uh, just get a little dose of sunshine. Sometimes we really need a, a dose of joy when some crazy things are happening in the world and, and sewing can be our little corner of joy. So we'll invite Hila back. Uh, regularly to to give us that dose and um yeah so that's it for this episode it was a fun episode thank you so much for telling us about your travels Lori, and and thank you so much for coming to pr weekend with me (laughs) always a pleasure helena it's so great to be able to hang out with you in person and 98 of our best sewing friends so (laughs) that's right yeah so thanks a lot everyone for tuning in great that you could be here with us and uh, let us know what your thoughts are on what you heard on this episode and our new joy correspondent uh you can find us at clothesmakingmavens.com bye for now bye for now 
for listening to this episode of the Clothes Making Mavens podcast. For more information and more episodes, visit clothesmakingmavens.com. We would love to hear from you. You'll find options for sending us an email, leaving a comment, or even a voicemail on clothesmakingmavens.com. Hope to hear from you soon, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.